Replace Tonal Race is an ongoing effort to preserve funding for local entities receiving vital funding from property taxes such as cities, towns, counties, schools, townships, and libraries. The General Assembly is considering several bills that would significantly reduce vital property tax funding for local units of government, jeopardizing infrastructure, public safety, education, parks, and other improvements that create and maintain quality places where people want to live and work. This special podcast series will explore what's happening in the Indiana General Assembly relative to the business personal property tax and why any reduction in this tax must come with a state-implemented, permanent, and sustainable revenue source. For more information, visit aimindiana.org bppt. Hi, I'm Jennifer Simmons with AIM, Accelerate Indiana Municipalities, and welcome to our special Replace Don't Erase podcast series, where we are focusing on several bills being considered in the 22 session of the Indiana General Assembly that are attempting partial elimination of the business personal property tax, which is a revenue stream relied upon exclusively by units of local government. Uh, Joining today are AIM CEO, Matt Greller, and Association of Indiana County's Executive Director, David Bodorf. Matt, David, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks, great to be here. Thanks for the invitation. You bet. Um, Well, my lead-in was a bit of a a spoiler, but Matt, um, maybe take a step back and set the table a little bit more for this discussion. Maybe do a quick a primer on property taxes in Indiana as a method for funding local services. So who receives funding from the property tax paid by homeowners and businesses and maybe transition right into an explanation of the business personal property tax? Uh, Sure. Um, David can chime in too, of course. Uh, So property tax in Indiana is the primary way that local governments deliver services. It's a significant, the most significant revenue stream for cities, towns, counties uh, in particular, and then other units of local government also use pieces of the the property tax, whether it's schools or townships or libraries, um, but not quite to the degree that members from the counties association or our members in cities and towns use. It makes up a, a good portion of the general fund budget for certain. Uh, business personal property tax is a tax on equipment. Um, David's fond of saying widget makers. So uh, it's the tax on all the widget makers across the state that's been in place for many years in Indiana. And it goes into the the overall property tax pie that's distributed back to uh, underlying units of local government. Uh, the business personal property tax makes up a significant uh, portion of the overall property tax revenue stream for Uh, for local governments, which is why we're having this conversation today and why it's so important uh, that we preserve uh, that revenue stream as we're talking uh, every day about attracting more talent, building quality places throughout the state. Uh, That's really uh, one of the primary ways that that we're able to make investments in our communities and fund police and fire and and all the services that uh, that our members offer. I don't know, David, if you wanted to add anything more to that. Yeah, no, a great explanation, Matt. 
but it really is part of our uh, you know assessment foundation. And as all local government officials know, the higher assessed value you have, the lower the tax rate you have. And so if the state is considering chipping away at the assessed value, it definitely means there's going to be a higher tax rate, which of course creates tax shifts to other taxpayers. And we're really concerned about that because it's critical to maintain a, you know, a balance in, in the property tax payment system, but also predictability and stability. And um, reducing the floor could really impact certain communities dramatically, almost immediately, uh, depending on how it's structured. And of course, as Matt's mentioned, this is all local money. So it's uh, fairly easy for the General Assembly to propose eliminating this tax because they're not the ones who are going to be uh, facing the loss of revenue and it'll be the local units of government that face the tax shifts. So there are some bills in the House, uh, House Bill 1002, that does make an effort at replacement money, but it's not full replacement money. So um, we're only going to support something that has a full replacement money and really mitigates the shifts too, because that's important to us. Uh, David, why don't you keep keep going there? Talk a little bit more about House Bill 1002 in particular. What are it's very different looking than the Senate bill, which we'll get into in a minute. So maybe go into a little more detail on that bill and what it what it includes. So the House bill um, provides state credit to businesses on the amount they would pay between the 30% floor and if we didn't have a 30% floor. So that difference in tax liability. So the companies will go ahead and pay local units of government as if they the 30% floor was there, but then they'll apply to the state for the credit and the state will send the credit directly to the businesses. And that effort does, does mitigate the shift and eliminate it, but that only applies to existing business, business personal property that's, been, that's in the state already. It doesn't apply to new business personal property. So again, as I mentioned earlier, anything that decreases assessed value base now or in the future is going to create that shift. So that's where we think the House bill falls short in applying that state credit to all business personal property, not just existing business personal property. There's several bills that impact the business personal property tax, that being one, also Senate Bill 378, which was heard today in committee. uh, Would one of you want to just give us a little bit of a capsule of what Senate Bill 378 would do. Um, that's one that, that doesn't have a replacement mechanism already built in. Yeah, I can take a quick stab, Jennifer. So 378, at least one component of it, would increase the automatic exemption from $80,000 in acquisition costs up to 250000 So this has been something that's happened over the last few years. We started out with an automatic exemption at what was it, David? Twenty thousand, and then it went to forty, and then yep. to eighty, and now proposing to go to two hundred and fifty thousand. So basically, if you have a smaller—I won't say small—because we're getting up to acquisition costs that are, are pretty high with two hundred quarter million dollars, uh, you don't have to file at all. Uh, you just get an automatic exemption, and uh, are precluded from having to go through that process and pay any tax. So that's one component. It would also decrease the floor, the depreciation floor that David mentioned earlier, uh, down to 25% over a couple of years. And then it's got a, a provision in there that, that grants a one-year uh, holiday. So any property purchased in 2023 would not be taxed uh, in that one-year holiday. 
I will say though that the Senate, I would expect this bill, if it moves at all, to be significantly altered. The Senate seems to be taking a much uh, slower, measured approach to this discussion uh, and has repeatedly offered comments about the need for replacement revenue, uh, which is good to hear. Uh, I think we're just anxious to see what that replacement at revenue would look like and, and how it would be implemented, of course, and, and its longevity, uh, whether it's for a window in time or a, for, for eternity, so to speak. And David, I think you were, uh, I know both organizations, both AIM and AIC were in committee today. What were some of your key points in your testimony earlier today? Today being uh, January 11th. The companies or the corporations or entities that advocate for reducing the floor, um, they do have a valid point where we have a, what's called a 30% floor. So if I buy a, a, a widget maker, and it costs a million dollars um, in the first year, I only pay about 56% of that original purchase price. And then there's a then there's an appreciation schedule that goes below 30%. But Indiana does have this, what we call 30% floor. So you always pay 30%. Um, you base your tax on the assessed value of 30% of the original purchase price. That's the assessed value. So it is unusual. But it's, what is also unusual and doesn't often get explained is that we have a low, what I call ceiling. So in essence, we give every piece of business personal property tax, Indiana does a 40% discount off its purchase price. So nobody ever pays taxes on the purchase price. They immediately get a nearly 40% re reduction. So we have a, what I call a low ceiling um, that's about 60%. And then we do have a high floor, which is about 30%. About 30%. But that is unusual in other states. Um, in Kentucky, that uh, payment the first year is about 92% of the purchase price. They do go below the 30% floor, but their balance is you have that, you pay much more property tax on that new equipment than you would in Indiana. And so really the 30 and 60% um, floor and ceiling is really very clever in the way it was developed because it takes away the complaint from a company that I can't buy new business personal property in Indiana because I'm going to get a big property tax increase. Well, you're really not because the most you're going to go is from 30% to 60%. So that really creates stability and reliability. And it really is a very clever system. And in fact, the tax foundation ranks our property tax system in Indiana, the most business friendly. So we're already number one there. Um, I know overall we're ranked ninth by the tax foundation, but that's because state taxes are higher than normal and it's not because of property taxes. Yeah, so Matt, I've heard you say that, you know, whether the business personal property tax is a good tax, is the right tax, it's really not the, the argument here. It is about replacement revenue, but how often are mayors, council members, redevelopment directors, how often are they hearing from businesses that this tax is a problem, that it's a deterrent to development in, in our case, cities and towns? In our experience, very rarely, if ever, um, you know, I've talked to Mayor Tolmer in Warsaw, you know, sort of the worldwide home of orthopedic manufacturers, and he's not ever heard that come up. I just received a an email from the mayor in Greencastle uh, with a business owner there that 
you know, that business owner is concerned about, you know, trails and parks and public safety in the community and, and not paying the personal property tax. So I, I don't think it's a impediment to investment. You know, it seems to me that we're all working to bring more talent to the state, more workforce to the state, uh, to provide employers with a, a wider and deeper availability of human capital to work with. And I think that's really where the concern is that and, and housing, everybody needs more housing, it, it seems, um, are the, the key things that we hear about an awful lot. So I can't say that I've ever heard or been a part of a conversation with a, an owner of a business that uh, listed this as a top impediment to investment or growth or relocating to, to Indiana. Well, let's talk about um, the coalition that is formed um, of like-minded groups. So groups who represent those who are recipients of business, personal property, tax dollars, David, Matt, each of you, either whoever wants to go first, um, talk about Replace Donor Race. What is that? And what, what's your hope for what that coalition can achieve this session? Well, we, we started this, you know, David and AIC and AIM, IAC back then, back in 2014-15, when the, the first proposal that we've seen like this came about, and it, it worked quite well. You know, we're always going to have differences, you know. Um, David's members don't like annexation. Our members do. Um, you know, we have differences with schools and townships too, but generally speaking, we're almost always on the same page when it comes to major funding issues like that. And that's what this coalition is, is built around. We all are working to uh, improve the quality of life in Indiana and help our members to do that. And so we have a, a group put together of 20 plus organizations that, you know, represent public safety, schools, townships, libraries, um, various sectors of the education uh, world. And then of course, David and I in counties and cities and towns. So uh, it's just, I think it's gonna be critically important uh, how this group works together in the coming weeks and months and uh, hopefully uh, how we can deliver uh, a voice to the other side of this discussion. Yeah, it is so critical, as I mentioned earlier, um, really, unless the state comes up with replacement money, they don't have skin in this game. And uh, it's, it's going to be the local units of government who suffer. So we really need to uh, work with all of our local units. And uh, it's incumbent, I think, upon county leaders and city leaders to make sure they inform other elected offices and other units of government in the community about um, the potential loss of revenue and the tax shifts here. And um, as Matt mentioned, the quality of life issue is really uh, foremost on most businesses uh, needs. And, um, you know, we've, we've had site selectors come in and talk to our members and property taxes are not at the top of the list. And um, th this to me is really not worth the conversation and not worth the effort as far as economic development. And especially if there's not replacement money and, as other states have maybe moved in this direction, they have replaced the loss of revenue with other business taxes. And uh, that's really not being proposed in Indiana. Even if the state um, gives a tax credit to the businesses, that tax credit's coming from all taxpayers throughout the state, most of it coming from sales tax. So there still is this shift from the business community um, onto homeowners and other property owners. And so I, um, 
I just don't think it's worth the economic development benefit. If there's any there, it's it's not worth this much effort in replacement money. For for members uh, listening today, what are one or two, even three action items that you want them to start doing immediately to help with this replace donor rights effort, help um, talk to lawmakers about these key provisions that are being considered? I think most of our members probably at AIC as well have the talking points and understand that, you know, our, our main pitch here is that this revenue can't be reduced without some form of permanent replacement, dollar for dollar permanent replacement. But I think for our membership and probably David's too, don't get frustrated early on. We're going to be asking you to have these conversations with legislators up until the very end. This is likely to be an issue that won't be decided until the 11th hour of the at the end of session. And just because, you know, we've already asked in our case, members to reach out to legislators multiple times, and you're probably going to have to have the same conversation with the same legislator 10 more times between now and the end of session. Uh, and we just have to continue to make sure our voice is heard. I think, you know, that's probably true in every session, but on major tax issues like this, it's probably more accurate. Um, so that'd probably be the advice I would give to our members, David. Yeah, it, it, is, it is a short session. And um, so things are moving pretty quickly over there, but it is uh, critical to um, continue to talk to legislators almost on a you know, weekly basis at least about the status of this issue because it is so critical. And, um, you know, to do this in a short session, this is a pretty major rewrite of the um, of the Indiana tax code, depending on how far they go with other with other tax cuts. So uh, we're really urging the General Assembly to uh, be pragmatic, make sure they have all the correct information and make sure that they understand all the ramifications of, of lowering the floor. So I think this that constant, almost weekly communication with your legislators about this issue will be will be critical. And then if you have major corporations in your uh, community that you work with, if you talk to them and they say, this is not my top priority, it's workforce housing, affordable housing, as Matt mentioned earlier, hearing from those business leaders uh, could go a long way in um, reducing the General Assembly's appetite to take action on this issue. And Matt mentioned that Replace Donor Race originated in 2014 when there was a really aggressive movement at the State House to completely eliminate the business personal property tax. And one of the things we advocated for then, and we are doing so again, is for county commissioners, for city councils, town councils, school boards, um, others to adopt a resolution making their position clear. Um, that a move like this can't be done without permanent sustainable revenue replacement. And uh, I know that's another key ask of our members is to try to adopt those resolutions and make sure your legislators see how your fiscal body feels. Uh, David, are you encouraging the same? Yeah, we need to um, get those resolutions out and get it on record. And I think those resolutions do have an effect at the state house. So um, it is important that again, not only counties, cities, and towns, but school corporations, townships, libraries, everybody uh, participate in those resolutions. 
Everybody yeah, likes to talk about that the local newspapers going away in, in the form we used to know them, but there are plenty of local news sources still around that cover local issues quite well. And legislators pay very close attention uh, to those things and, and oftentimes have news clips compiled, et cetera. And when they see their constituents passing resolutions on a bill, that doesn't happen very often. And I think it's going to be really important to this process. That's right. And if you are affiliated with one of these groups and you want to pass a resolution, you can find uh, a sample copy or a template or at least a starting point on the Replace Donor Race website, um, which is at aimindiana.org slash BPPT. You can also find other pieces there for your social media um, images. You can find some virtual backgrounds for your Zoom meetings. Um, there are a lot of resources there in addition to some talking points. So I know we encourage um, anyone affiliated with cities, towns, counties, uh, libraries, schools, uh, there, there really is something there for, for all of those entities that um, receive business personal property tax dollars that have a real stake in this discussion. So uh, please visit aimindiana.org slash BPPT. Guys, anything else you want to add? None here. Uh, look forward to the continued conversation and sure appreciate the partnership from AIC and all the other participants in the Replace Don't Erase Coalition. No, thank you. Same thing. And, and um, you know, our opposition to this uh, proposal is not anti-economic development. It's it's cities, towns, and counties who step up first and foremost when it's time to do abatement uh, to attract companies to Indiana. So our position is not um, anti-business and we're very sensitive to economic development, but it really is uh, making sure we have a sustainable assessed value base and a low tax rate. That's what we're after. So we appreciate everybody's support. All right. Thanks. And uh, we'll be back with additional Replace Donor Race updates in the coming days and weeks. And in between time, as I mentioned, you can visit amindiana.org slash BPPT to get more information on Replace Donor Race. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.